Hey, welcome to Parkview, everybody. Welcome all our campuses. Welcome to you online. We're, we're glad you're here. We love all of our schools, all our high schools, but um, ironically, I, my kids all grew up at Lincoln Way East. They, they, don't, they wouldn't go there now. We didn't move houses, they moved schools, you know, but you know how that goes. Um, but I just got to say a big shout out to Coach Z over at our new Linux campus in Lincoln Way East State Champions. Let's hear it for them, all right? That's awesome. Oklahoma won, Auburn won. It was a good, it was a good day for everybody, except uh, you Notre Dame fans. Okay, um, here's the deal. Uh, you won't have to come. You, you're going to have to come every week to find out what the movie is. It's going to be a surprise just like that. You can try to pay us off. You can do whatever you want. But, but, but I promise you it will be good. And I also promise you it won't be die hard. Okay, I, I mean, I know that there's, you know, some discrepancy on what makes a Christmas movie. You know, is Gremlins a Christmas movie? Trading Places was a Christmas. Iron Man 3, you've got male Batman Returns. Just because it happens at Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie. I'm just going to say that. Die Hard, uh, maybe, okay? But, 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 but Home Alone, it definitely is, okay? The bigger question you might be having is like, why, why are we doing this? We've done that the movies before, um, but you may be new and you may be like, why are we doing this? And here's why. Jesus told stories. If you were around Jesus, he told stories. He, one day he said a man had two sons. He took the younger one took all his dad's money and went and, and partied it away. And then he ran out of money and he came home. And his dad welcomed him home, but his older brother didn't. It was just a story. Another day he was teaching. He said a man walked along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he got robbed and beaten up and left for dead. And a priest and a Levite and a Samaritan came walking by. They had to think he was setting up a joke, right? Priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan came walking. No, he was, he was teaching again. As a matter of fact, the Bible says all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. A parable is a story. He did not speak to them without a story. That's how he taught. He also used current events. All right. What's more current events for us than Christmas movie? Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than the others living in Jerusalem? You see that? I mean, he, it was like something had happened, and he used it as an illustration. So Jesus' is teaching not only was in the common language of the people. He was, he was in Koine Greek, which is a common language, but he did it in a way where people could understand it. So we're using movies, okay? If you don't like Christmas movies, come back in January. We still love you, Ebenezer. Just come on back later on. It'll be fine, okay? Five weeks, including Eve and Christmas Eve, I just want to start bugging you now. Uh, who are you going to invite? I, I want to tell you something. Your friends, most of your friends and your family would love to have an invite to Christmas Eve. That's just the truth of the matter. They're, they're looking for a place to, to go for Christmas Eve. They want an invite. What it may mean for you is, hey, maybe I, uh, maybe I bring my family to one service and I invite my friends and they want to come to another one. Great, that's okay. That's why we have 20 of them at all three of our campuses. That, that's what we're trying to encourage you to do, so start thinking about it. Here's what I can tell you. No Trans-Siberian Orchestra, but there will be ACDC. So um, that's, that's all, all, all you're going to get, uh, but it's going to be an unbelievable Christmas Eve service as always. Truth of the matter is, Home Alone, uh, let's go back to you know the movie of, of, of the week. It's really bizarre because I didn't even think about it when I was picking this movie. I picked it for another idea that I'll get to later, but Home Alone may have been based on a biblical passage. If you're reading through Luke 2 and you stop at the Christmas story like we normally do, you miss out on the only time we have recorded of Jesus's childhood. And here it is. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. 
They're good, they're good law-abiding Jewish people. After the festival was over, while his parents returned home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. They began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Kevin! They found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? That they did not understand what he was saying to them. And he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Wouldn't you like to see Home Alone, the prequel? Come on. Jesus in the temple throwing paint cans and dropping irons and releasing spiders on the Pharisees. I mean, I'm, I'm all over this. This is great. Woe to you teachers of the law. You hypocrites. You filthy animals. Someone needs to make this movie. Am I right or am I right? Mel Gibson, Mel Brooks, somebody needs to make this movie, okay? The, the thing is, we all wish we knew more about Jesus' childhood. When you think about Kevin in Home Alone and you think about Jesus, I don't think you're going to put them in necessarily the same category. But, but what would it have been like to, to have raised a sinless child, right? I mean, I can give you my parents' phone number if you want it, but it's really hard to imagine. <laughs> Did, did anybody bully him? Did he have a crush on a girl? Did he roll his eyes at the rabbis every once in a while when he was in school? I don't know. We don't know anything about the childhood of Jesus, and it must not matter because the Apostle John said, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Okay. That's why must not have been anything in there. All we know is once we got to age 30, we start knowing more about what happened in the life of Jesus. But let me talk about this Temple Alone text for a little bit, okay? Home Alone is a movie about family, right? How sometimes we aren't really fond of our family, but family is always family, especially at the holidays. And I believe that with all my heart, unless, and I think that's what this passage is in here for, unless... Your earthly family is in the way of your heavenly family. The importance of Jesus at age 12 shouldn't be lost on us. At age 13, when a Jewish boy turns 13, they have a what? A bar mitzvah, right? You know this. We were in Jerusalem as many boys were having their bar mitzvah parties on the Monday we were walking around. Here's some just video. This is the Western Wall, and this is outside the wall where they're having their little after party and they're having their little dance. The bar mitzvah means son of the commandment, and it is literally the time when a boy says, I'm going to take on the yoke of my heavenly father. I'm going to have a relationship with my heavenly father. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be responsible for my own relationship with God. That's what the bar mitzvah is for. And I think the whole point of this passage and why Luke put this in about Jesus being all alone at the temple and staying there was the contrast between the fathers. And this is really important. Mary says, your father and I have been searching for you. And Jesus said, well, um, mom, you should have known I would be about the house of my father. In other words, Jesus is saying, I, I mean, I, I, I love you, and I know Joseph is my earthly father, but I need to be about the business of my heavenly father. 
Jesus is chosen at this crucial stage in his life on the brink of manhood for him to, to say to us in an unforgettable way that he now knows who his real father is and what his real mission is. That's really important because later on he says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Listen, I wish I could tell you that giving your life over to Jesus was going to make all your problems go away. It does mean that you will have somebody to walk through the problems with you. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes following Jesus means there are more problems that are going to come. It means that you are going to be more vulnerable because the evil one now knows where you are under attack. And he knows where you are vulnerable. And family is sometimes where we are vulnerable. I showed this ad last year, but it's worth another view. It's so funny. Dillard's 60% Christmas sale, having the largest sale of the year. Just in time for Christmas, there'll be a special appearance by Satan between the hours of 5 and 9. Satan, I know him, right? Okay. Listen, it might not be the evil one attacking you or your family. It, it, it may be, it may just be that they don't understand. Let me put this back up again. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand. They did not understand. Sometimes your family is not going to understand you being about your father's business, okay? I would do everything. Most of this sermon is about doing everything you can to keep your relationship with your family strong because God put you there for a reason and to honor your father and mother. It's one of the commandments and all of those things, but Jesus is demonstrating here in this little home alone passage, that being about your heavenly father's business means that if sometimes you're going to be separated from your earthly family, your priorities should be clear. Many Christ followers experience pain and loneliness. Maybe that is their cross. Maybe it's just separation from your family. Maybe it's literally alienation from your family. Do you understand what goes on in other cultures? In predominantly other religious cultures, when somebody turns to Jesus, sometimes they're ostracized completely from their family. Sometimes they're killed by their family because they've decided to follow Jesus. And Jesus is saying, look, first and foremost, you need to understand that your priorities should be clear here. That said, all right, that said, let's move into Christmas. That said, the more likely reason that you're going to experience a home alone Christmas this Christmas is exactly the point of the movie in the first place. I mean, the, the, there's only two things I want to point out from it. And the first one is that our priorities are probably out of whack at Christmas time. Here's Kevin. So it kind of feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, we can just be honest. Uh, families are messy. Uh, I don't know who came up with this. Let's have Thanksgiving one month before we have Christmas the next month. Do you? I mean, am I right? Or am I, right? I mean, I actually know it was Abe Lincoln. I just don't know why Abe Lincoln didn't set up Thanksgiving to be in August. Can we take a vote and move Thanksgiving farther away? Okay, it's just a little insane. I mean, they could have had the feast with the pilgrims in August. We don't know. It's like Thanksgiving and then shopping and then Thanksgiving and then Christmas. That's how it goes, right? Just remember this. If you're feeling a little frustrated with your family, here's your verse. Uh, for Christmas, Jesus turned to his host and said, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives, okay? <laughs> that, that's completely out of context, but just so you know, if you need it, it's there. I'm here for you, okay? <laughs> Seriously, what I want you to hear from me today is don't take your family for granted. 
I mean, we haven't had Thanksgiving with my wife's family in the 28 years that we've lived here. And we've usually had some kind of Christmas, but even lately, it's been hard. It was hard when the kids were young. They were in Missouri. It was too expensive, too far away. So we did Thanksgiving over in Fort Wayne with my folks, and we went down and spent extra time at Christmas with them. I still think they won out in the long haul, but we never got to do Thanksgiving. And that, that's hard on us. And now we're on the other side of that, right? This year, we have three married daughters. If you don't know my family, we only had one of them on Thanksgiving Day. One of them and their husband, Tommy and Lauren, our middle ones from California, were in, and we got to spend a lot of time with them. But this was their year to be with the Carreras. And by the way, while I'm talking about them, since this gives me a nice opportunity, grandchild number four is on the way, June 1st. Thank you very much. Four grandkids for a young guy like me. It's pretty insane. Yeah, we're excited about that. And Becca and Andy, bigger deal for us is Becca's 25. This is the first year she never, the first year out of all of them that she didn't get to come for Thanksgiving because she married a guy in, in, in California and they needed to be together with his family. I don't know if you know this or not, if your kids aren't married yet, but sometimes they have to go be with the spouse's family. It's a dumb rule, isn't it? <laughs> how many, let me just ask all of our campuses, how many of you agree with me, if the bride's family has to pay for the wedding, they ought to get the holidays? Just let me see a show of hands, okay? Am I right? Well, we're sharing now. Whoa, what's sharing? What? The only good thing for us is that my oldest daughter, Rachel, who you're here from in just a second, married a guy from England. They live in Nashville, uh, so we always get them for Thanksgiving because they can't go over to England, and besides, England doesn't really get Thanksgiving. If you know what I mean, think that through, okay? So, so, so we always have them, but you know, I mean, it just doesn't always work out. Doesn't always work out the way you want it to, and it may seem like a big pain to be with your family at the holidays, but don't take it for granted. I mean, that stuff is is minor. We're together with our family. I I, I was talking to Pastor Richie at our New Lenox campus yesterday, and his mom he was in the ho- he was in the hospital all through Thanksgiving because his mom was diagnosed with a, a, a cancer. Uh, spot in her stomach, and um, it's a stage three cancer. I mean, you want to talk about a wake-up call, right? Many of you know what I'm talking about. I want you to be praying for Richie and for his mom, for Richie and Debbie, and and for the family as they figure out what's going to happen next. And some of you have had some wake-up calls. I know people around me have had some wake-up calls as it came uh, to this Thanksgiving. All of a sudden, all those little dumb things that you don't like about your family kind of start to go away, right? And I know there's a big pile of you listening to me right now that experienced a Thanksgiving without somebody. And you're experiencing a Christmas without somebody. And you want to go back to little Kevin. You want to go back to little you or to whenever you have this bad attitude about your family and say, hey, wait a minute. There's, there's a priority here. You're going to miss this someday. Don't miss out on what is so important because your priorities are messed up. And I was thinking about that, and it's pretty easy for me to be drawn back to Bethlehem at the Christmas story. If you ever get to go on an Israel trip, which I hope you do, save up for it, make it a bucket list thing. We just came back from our third trip and led a group of Parkview people. Um, We'll probably do it every year now. I mean, it's just such a great time for us to be with people. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something that I always warn our people about before they go. And that is, there are going to be some, some things that blow your mind and, and deepen your faith. I was talking to a guy yesterday, he said it went like the Bible went from black and white to color for me by being in Israel. I mean, it really feels like that. But there are some other things that are going to be super disappointing. I mean, the Via Dolorosa, the way of the cross, where they think Jesus might have carried the cross to Golgotha. I mean, it's just a, it's just a market. 
And they got little signs for the stations of the cross, but it's just a market. There's just people everywhere. And Bethlehem is, is really, really disappointing. It's just, it, you have to go through a Palestinian checkpoint. Guys with machine guns get on your bus and check everything out before you get to go in. Um, it's just a very different, the Palestinian side. Here's the Stars and Bucks Cafe. You know you're going into a scary place when a Starbucks license doesn't even worry about, you know, what's getting ripped off in Palestine, right? That, 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 that's just a different, different kind of place. It's 90% Muslim, okay? Bethlehem is 90% Muslim at this point. So the busloads of pilgrims are the only ones really looking for the birthplace of Christ, which ironically, ironically is exactly the scene of the very first Christmas, Right? So Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Just imagine Linus reading this right now. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no... He would have said room in the inn. The translation of the NIV says no guest room available for them. We talked about that whole no room in the inn thing last year at Christmas Eve. If you want to go back and listen to it, it's online. The translation was bad. There was no inn in Bethlehem. It wasn't like there was a hotel and it was full. What this meant was that it was a super busy time. Everybody was there because of the census. It was just like Christmas. Everybody was there. It was crazy. They were busy. The family that they landed with already had somebody in the guest room. Manger doesn't mean there were animals in there, okay? That doesn't mean that. They would have been smarter than that. It was probably the middle of their home. And just because the Bible talks about shepherds and wise men visiting Jesus doesn't mean other people didn't know about Jesus. Okay, don't, don't, don't assume all of those things. Put up your nativity scene and that's all fine. Here's what we do know. What we do know is the people that should have been there were not there. We know this. When Herod called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, this is after the wise men showed up, he asked them, where is the Christ to be born, the Messiah? They said, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. They, they knew it would be in Bethlehem. Micah had prophesied this 700 years before Jesus was born. You would think Bethlehem would be significant, wouldn't you? I mean, if, if, if the Bible said Jesus was going to, the Messiah was going to be born in Park Forest, don't you think we'd all have like our eyes on Park Forest or, or whatever town it was if it was that close? I mean, wouldn't there be a welcome Messiah banner up somewhere? Somebody would have had a holy Messiah gift shop. Come on. Somebody would have marketed that. It would have been there. They should have had a Ferris wheel. They should have had something, but nobody seemed to care. Even the religious leaders didn't care. The Bible tells us that these, these, these guys from Persia who are worship God in a very different way, who've been following the prophecy and a star show up in Jerusalem and say, hey, what's going on? We heard there's a baby, the Christ is going to be born. And they go to Herod, and Herod goes, hey, you guys, where's the Christ supposed to be born? <laughs> and, and they go, oh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And I, and I know you're, you're like, must have been far away. That's, that's what's so crazy when you get to be there. You could stand in the city of Jerusalem and see Bethlehem. It's five miles away. Every city was on a hill. It's like right there. 
And if they were at Herod's palace, they were only three miles away. We don't know where they were when this happened, but they couldn't have been more than a, a, a couple of hours' walk, maybe at the most, maybe an hour's walk, over to where this place would be. And the religious leaders didn't even bother to go. Why? Well, I mean, there was stuff going on. There was a census. Everybody was busy. I, we don't know. Here's what I do know. Home alone, first Christmas, one way or the other, the biggest ploy the evil one does use this time of year is distraction. He figured out a long time ago that hitting our faith head on was not going to be a, as good an idea as distraction. And let, me, let me say something. I think we should worry a lot less about those people out there who are trying to take Christ out of Christmas and worry more about our own priorities and our own distractions at Christmas. Let me say that again. I think we should worry less about those people out there that are trying to take Christ out of Christmas and worry more about our own taking Christ out of Christmas. And we don't do it on purpose. We, we, don't, we don't do this home alone scenario on purpose. We get busy. We have to take a trip. We have to get the shopping done. We have to do all this stuff. I mean, you got through Black Friday, but Cyber Monday's coming, right? I mean, we got all these things and all these parties, and that's what the evil one uses to make us miss out on what Christmas was supposed to be about in the first place. When our middle daughter, Lauren, the one you saw a picture of that's pregnant again, was in college, she did a program uh, to go help the rest of the world. They called it the Hunger Program, Human Needs God's Resources Program at Wheaton College. So she spent a semester in Bolivia, Cochabamba, Bolivia. And so uh, she worked at a safe house for sex trafficked girls. It was a really, really interesting, she was doing a psych degree, really, really interesting way for her to figure out, you know, what, what, the, what the world was all about. So we went to visit. And while we were there, um, had, had a great time, had a Thanksgiving feast for these girls in the house. It was fascinating. Turkey had four legs, I promise you, four legs and two wings. Uh, it's not a John Madden story. It's a true story. I think it was raised near the cocaine fields. I don't know, but I cooked it. There were four legs. Anyway, we, we, we had this great time. While we were there, uh, sorry, rabbit trail. While we were there, there's, a, uh, there's a, 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 a giant statue of Jesus, just like Rio, okay? Cristo de Concordia, they call it call it, one of those big giant statues of Jesus that you can go see. So we decided to go see it. So we're standing there, it's just the three of us, and you know, it's before iPhone cameras, and you know, trying to take a picture with, with one of those other cameras, you can't really see what's going on, one of those old ones, you know, and, and so we're doing it, and we want to get a picture of us with the Jesus statue. So this girl comes walking up who could speak English, and you know, she came out, hey, you want me to take a picture? And we're like, yeah, so, so here it is. Here's our picture of us and the, and the Cristo de la Concordia. Okay, I put an arrow there just so you can make sure you saw Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Okay, that's how it goes at Christmas time, right? It's like, oh yeah, we'll put out the crash, right? We'll put out the manger seat, we'll put, we'll put out the decorations, and then bam, 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 bam. This is what we're heading into. This is what we're in the middle of right now. And, 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 and like Jesus kind of gets pushed to a little corner of the picture, right? And, and that's what happened at the very first Christmas. And Home Alone is not about the, the religious side of, of Christmas at all. It's about priorities. But I want to tell you it's the same thing. Whatever the priorities are that are going on in your life, they get messed up at Christmas time from all the busyness, and we can't let it happen. Make sure the priorities are right as you head into this Christmas. And then the, the second thing that kind of speaks for itself in this scene we're about to see is pride. It's just about pride. 
Maybe for you, you're going to experience a home alone Christmas this year because you've got too much pride to accept this story. Maybe it's because you've got too much pride and your family's going to be separated. Watch this. My point is you should call your son. My point is this is a good place to be here at church if you're feeling bad about yourself this Christmas. We've all probably got some pride that has gotten in our way with our family along the way. It's always going to be difficult. We've all got pride that's gotten in our way with our relationship with our heavenly family as well. I mean, this time of year, when you think about, you, know, you go back to the story, and you think about Herod, and you think about the religious leaders, what was it that got in the way of their first Christmas? It was their pride. Herod tried to kill the baby Jesus. He was so worried about somebody else taking the throne. I mean, it doesn't get any more prideful than that, right? So my question for you is, is there somebody you should call? Is there something going on inside of you that's giving you a home alone Christmas this year? It happened the first Christmas. It may be happening to you. Pretty pointed statement from the movie. Maybe walking into church may be the exact thing that needed to happen to you today to remind you about something that you need to get right with your heavenly father or something that you need to get right with your earthly family. It's so easy to be distracted by the good gifts that God has given us during the holiday season. And it's so easy to let our pride get in the way without humbly asking for forgiveness or humbly giving forgiveness during this time when it ought to be happening. He came to be the Prince of Peace. Peace on earth. That's what he came to give us. We all learned the deeper meaning of the Lord's Prayer a few weeks ago. We did a sermon series on it. Maybe it's time to forgive our trespasses, those who trespass against us, and swallow our pride and be reunited with them. I'll show you what it looks like at the end of the movie. It's such a great movie because it just really brings up some great issues and then obviously resolves them in a good Christmas movie kind of a way at the end. And, and, and there's, this, there's this beautiful scene when everybody's reunited and you're going to get to watch it. And then you get a very special treat, if you ask me. Uh, my daughter, Rachel, the one who lives in Nashville, is going to come and sing a song that I think is going to really wrap up, and it's all of our campuses get to hear this. kind of wraps up Thanksgiving for me. It's kind of a, a real Thanksgiving song about the priorities, about the things that are really, really important in life. I'm telling you, someday you're going to wake up, you're going to be old, you're going to be a grandpa like me, and, and you're going to see, you're going to be able to look back and see the things that are really important. You're going to be able to see Christmas and Thanksgiving and the holidays in a way that is so much deeper and richer than maybe what's going on in your life right now, and you need a reminder of that. So we're going to play this clip. Rachel's going to do this song. Then I'll come back and do communion for all of our campuses so, so that we can celebrate together because I want to bring this into a spiritual realm as we close this out. All right, let's watch. The way I wanted to bring this back down was um, to uh, think about that final scene of Home Alone where that shovel man gets reunited. Think about Kevin being reunited with his family. And let's bring this back to us. Let's bring this back to you being home with your father. Okay, let's go back to the temple alone thing in the very, in the very beginning, okay? God didn't just ride across the, the, the continent and ride with a polka band in the back of a van to get to you uh, with your home alone situation this Christmas. He sent his one and only son who gave his life and that's how much he wanted to be reconnected to you. I, I want you to understand, even if your family is gone, even if, even if Christmas is very, very difficult with your earthly family, let's go back to Jesus and his priority. Your heavenly Father wants to be reunited 
wants to be reconnected. Here's the picture I finally got of us and the Jesus statue. Sometimes you just got to do it by yourself. He didn't leave us home alone, but we left him. Please understand that. But God provided everything that we needed this time of year for a reunion with him. This communion time that we celebrate together is how could I ask for more? It's all those simple little things, being with my family, having my, grand, my grandkids here, all those things that are important to me. Just a, a simple conversation, just a simple Christmas holiday. It's not about all the crazy things and going to Paris. It's about the simple things and remembering what the priorities are. It's about swallowing my pride if, if there's something that I've got with somebody else in my family. And it's about swallowing my pride when it comes to me and my relationship with my father. And saying, Jesus, I need you to rescue me. Father, I need a reunion with you. I know you provided it for me. We celebrate this together. We're going to pass the trays. I'm going to pray. We're going to pass the trays. And we're going to celebrate communion together. I I want to invite you to, to share with us. And if maybe this holiday season you felt home alone, away from God, you felt far away from your father for a while, maybe all of your life, it's not because he wanted it that way. It's not because he's mad at you because you did something wrong like little Kevin in Home Alone. It's because you have been gone from him. And he wants more than anything else to be reunited. That story that I began with that Jesus told about the boy who went and wasted his father's inheritance and then came home, that was Jesus' way of saying that the father is waiting just like that father for you to come home no matter what you did. For you to come home, he's waiting and he's watching. And as soon as you get close enough, he's going to run to you. And that could be today. He's going to put on the robe. He's going to kill the fatted calf, put a ring on your finger, and welcome you home. That's what Christmas is all about. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for my family. They're not all uh, easy to be around all the time either, and I know I'm not either. It just gets to the holiday season, and, and it gets crazy, and we get stressed out by all the things that are going on, and uh, trying to get plane flights from California and kids up from Nashville and, and all the, where are they going to sleep and what are we going to do and who's going to eat what and what are, how's it going to go and ah, it's so great because <laughs> that's really what it's supposed to be all about. Thank you for the time that we've had. Thank you for the time that we will have. Help us all to be reconnected to our families at this holiday season and if that means forgiving those who trespassed against us, Lord. We ask you to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Don't let us be like that, that shovel man who was worried about what his family was going to think if he tried to come back and have a relationship. Let us get the pride out of the way. Don't let us be like the religious leaders inherit in that day and, and have our pride be in the way where we're, we're, we're too proud to even walk over to Bethlehem and see if it's true. Open up our hearts today, Lord, to the truth that you love us, that you want to be together with us forever. We will never be alone. You are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives, and 
we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is what we pray, Lord. Be with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.